to 2 Peter chapter number 2. I do appreciate everyone's prayers, uh, the thoughtful, the text messages, the phone calls. Uh, just appreciate so much our church family. And uh, we love you dearly and thank God for you. But we come to the Word of God this morning, and my prayer is that God would help us today. Of course, we've begun this new series at the beginning of the year on the book of 2 Peter. And just by way of review, God has brought us a long way, even in a short few weeks that we've been in this new year. And today we, we turn the page and, and come to the second chapter. However, in that first chapter, the, the Apostle Peter lays the foundation of our personal responsibility to God. You, you realize that God, God saved you by His grace, and we're thankful for that. Even in 1 Peter chapter number 1, uh, from our, our previous study, the Bible says that, that He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's given you new life. And it doesn't matter how, how, how great the trials are, God's grace is always greater. And we're thankful for uh, God's provision of grace. And in chapter number 1 of, of 2 Peter, the Bible makes some very uh, specific statements concerning the abundance of grace that God provides. And, and he calls these things their precious promises. And really, if you study the life and ministry of Peter and, and the two short epistles that, that God inspired him to write, we, we see that everything associated with Jesus Christ, Peter deemed as precious. Even the trial of his faith, uh, he, he deemed it as, as precious. And in chapter number 1, he tells us that we've obtained a like precious faith through the righteousness of God in our Savior Jesus Christ. And then, he looks, then we look down in verse 4, the Bible says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these... Uh, uh, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What is this divine nature? This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This divine nature is, is how you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And God, uh, through this, this new life that we have in him, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. You have new life. You have you have hope, you have peace, you have purpose, you have all of these things, and, and God then wants you to continue on. God does not want you to be, to be complacent with where you are. You see, at the moment of salvation, that's not the end all. It's only the beginning. And what, what you and I are called of God to do is build upon that foundation who is Jesus Christ. And the Bible describes uh, it gives us a list of things that we are to add to our faith. The Bible says in, in verses 5, 6, and 7, it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you and I are called to know the Lord. The Apostle Paul made this statement. He said that, that, I, may, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, not as though I'd already attained, or not as if I'd already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after and so, Christian, you and I, we are called to know the Lord. 
And it doesn't matter what you know, it's about who you know. And God has given us His Word so that by it you might know the Lord. And the Bible says, as Peter concludes this very epistle in chapter number 3 and verse number 18, he commands us saying, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You and I are called to know Him. And, God's, and, then, and so he transitions then into the application of truth. Remember, he calls our attention to these things, literal, literally these things, five times you see that, that statement in the opening verses of chapter 1. And then he calls us to remembrance, to consider the things that were former, that we formerly had in our mind. Is it really a return to revival, return to obedience to the things of God? But what are the things of God? We've not followed cunningly devised fables. The Bible says in chapter number 1 and verse number 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The Bible goes down to say what we have followed. In verse number 19, he says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Christians, that is the foundation. I'm thankful that you and I have the Word of God, aren't you? Aren't you thankful that God has given you His Word? The Bible says that the Lord gave the Word. And I'm thankful that we have it in our possession today. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Christians, you and I have the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Christian, you and I, we have the word of God. Why, is it, why does the word of God matter so much? You realize that God esteems His Word more highly than His own name. And God has, God has written you a letter, and He wants you to know Him. From the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, the whole of God's Word is about Jesus Christ. From the very foundation of God's Word, the very beginning of time, when sin entered the world, so came the promise of the coming Messiah. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, for sake of time we won't look there, but we find the first mention of Christ coming through the seed of the woman to defeat sin and give victory. And Christian, what are you doing with God's word? You see, we, we are living in, a, in an interesting day and hour, are we not? The Bible says this, know also in the last days perilous times shall come. There is so much uncertainty. There's so much upheaval in the world today. Uh, I try to not watch the news because I get mad. Uh, I get frustrated by it. Uh, it's really, there's never any good news on the news. It always seems to be bad news. That's why God gave us good news. All right? You know what makes the good news even better? Understanding how dreadful we are. 
how wicked and vile and how sinful and corrupt we are, and that we have no strength in and of ourselves, no ability whatsoever to save ourselves. That you and I are without hope. But then God intervenes. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The Bible says, and, and uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus tells us of Himself, He says, uh, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He has come not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to give His life a ransom for many. You see, you and I are sinful. From the top of our head to the sole of our foot, there is nothing good about us. All of our righteousness are filthy rags. And if you study what that means, so in an Old Testament time, that filthy rag doesn't mean like uh, my dad owned three car garages and there was all the, we were all the time picking up old grease rags off the floor. You know, you, you'd grease those ball joints and, and uh, you know, that front end, you'd lube the, the front end and, and you'd wipe off, if you did it right, you'd wipe off those grease shirts when you were done. That way, you wouldn't have grease caked all over the front of your car if you did it right. And you'd take those grease rags and you'd wipe them off. And then you'd discard it. And they'd come and they'd wash them for you and then you'd use them again. It's not the same thing. A filthy rag, not to be too disgusting this morning, but in biblical days there was a problem with, called leprosy. Leprosy was a terrible thing. It was, it was really a, a death sentence if you contracted leprosy, a dreadful disease. I believe it's called Hansen's disease today. But it would, there were sores, and it would literally eat away your flesh. And it become infected, and they would take these linen rags, and they would, they would wrap the wound in those linen rags. And it would act as a gauze, and it would, and it would, it would soak up it would absorb the infection. That was the filthy rag. You could never get those rags clean. You'd have to burn the rags. There was no use for those. You see, that's our, that's, that's our righteousness. They're just filthy, corrupt. They're no good. They're of no use to anybody. It's not about how good we are. You and I will never be good enough. Jesus asked the question as a young man came, said, good, who referred to Christ as good master. And Jesus, in response, said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, who is God. God is the only one who is good. He's holy, just, he's separate from sinners. And we understand that Christ is the second person of the Godhead. Jesus is 100% God. He's no less God. He's no more God. He's eternally existent. He's co-equal with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ 
God Himself condescended to man so that, you, he would, so that He could save us. The Son of God became the Son of Men. That the sons of men might become the sons of God. And we're very thankful for the good news that Christ has given to us. And may I, may I tell you this morning that it is imperative for you and me that we discern the times in which we live. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, the Apostle Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. And he goes on to define what the gospel is. How Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and of above five hundred brethren at once. This is the good news. How Christ died for you. And may I tell you, if people don't preach that, they're false teachers. They're false prophets. It's imperative that you know the truth. Because Jesus says, and you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And if the Son hath made you free, you shall be free indeed. Christian, we need truth, don't we? And the, and the Word of God here... and in 2 Peter chapter 2, begins to warn us concerning the lies that are present in our day. Do you realize that, that not every church is preaching the gospel? It doesn't matter what denomination they fall in. You, uh, this might shock you, but I'm sure there's some, I know of some, independent Baptist churches that are no longer preaching the truth of the gospel. They may be preaching part of it, but neglecting other portions of it. And may I tell you, if you're not preaching all of it, it's, it's a false gospel. Amen. And so we, we understand the great necessity of the truth. You know what I'm thankful for of this church? And I believe in, with all of my heart that we love truth. And uh, one of my favorite stories, my favorite books, is a book entitled Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan from Bristol Jail, as he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He wouldn't get a license, he would just preach. And I'm thankful for his boldness and determination. It's said that Pilgrim's Progress is the second bestseller of all time, second place only to the King James Version of the Bible. But in his book, there's a man I really enjoy. As Christian made his way to that celestial city, he encountered many people along the way. And one of my favorite people, and, and understand, he, uh, he, he met a lot of dastardly people too. People who, who sought to lure him astray. And, but there was a man named Valiant for Truth. And may God help us today be valiant for truth. So many people speak of so many things that they, 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 they believe in their heart that they're so certain of, but they know absolutely nothing about it because they don't know truth. And if you're able this morning, I'd like for you to stand. We're going to read here in God's Word three verses by way of introduction this morning. It's beginning in 2 Peter chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. Notice the theme. Again, 
Peter begins to warn us of false prophets. The Bible says this, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. And Father, our prayer today is that you would help us to know the word of God and apply it to our lives. Lord, your word is truth. You pray uh, for us in John chapter 17 and verse 17, saying, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You are, Father, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Lord, we do pray today that you would help us discern the truth and properly apply it to our hearts and lives. Lord, we ask that you'd give us light, and Lord, that you'd help us discern the day and hour in which we live. Lord, lead us on to make righteous decisions today that would not only affect today, but all of eternity as we purpose to live for Thee. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. False prophets. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in verse number 1. It says, There were false prophets. There were false prophets. And he goes on to say, Even as there shall be false teachers among you. There, we are living in a day and hour where false teachers, false prophets are everywhere. Let me give you some practical, helpful advice today. Turn off TBN. Yeah. A bunch of heretics, man. I'm not kidding. Turn it off. There's only one radio program, there's only one radio preacher you should listen to. And you're listening to him this morning. Every Sunday morning, 7.30, you can catch us on, was it 8.80, 104.5. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. But you, so oftentimes we can't discern truth. I had a, a man walk in my office the other day and he asked me about a man that <laughs> just like, doesn't come to church here. But I believe he was looking for truth and I'm not sure if he liked the truth. You know why? We know why we like a lie? Because it makes us feel good. It ignores the heart problem. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. People hip, uh, will heap to themselves seducers having itching ears. You know, this guy, I mean, he's just one of those TBN preachers. They're all the same. And this might offend you, but even Charles Stanley, not qualified to pastor a church. Right. And his son is a flaming liberal. Yeah. Guys, understand that, that, there, that there is a battle being waged for you. Right. Be sober. Be vigilant. Look what the Bible says. Let's just read that verse. Just look back one or two pages in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, 
walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Christian, understand there is a battle being waged for you. Why? Because God loves you and the devil hates you. You and I are created in the image of God. Redemption is for you. Uh, We're thankful that Christ died uh, as me. He died for me. I'm thankful for the salvation that we have by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's imperative that, that we keep our eyes fixed upon the truth of God's word. You see, and back in 2 Peter chapter number 2, in verses 1 through 3, the Bible describes their attitude. Uh, it, it, deci- it describes their affections. It, it describes uh, their, uh, their, their lust, their carnality. Look back here in verse number 1. It says, And there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Notice here, it says, Who privily... You know that speaks of subtlety? Uh, they're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, they come in and, and they promote a gospel that is not taught or preached from, by Jesus himself. Uh, they, they teach a truth that uh, they take one verse and, and twist it out of context and frame this whole weak argument of theology upon one misused, misguided verse. You see... As a church, I want to encourage you to be a biblicist. You know, as, as we study, as I study God's Word, uh, I, I, I study it systematically. There's a term called systematic theology. It's about what, what all of God's Word says about any particular subject. You see, God, is, God speaks. God has much to say. God's Word is progressive in its revelation. The, the, the truth that we find in Genesis... Uh, in seed form, we find fully developed in the New Testament. And we find that all throughout Scripture. And, and you realize, we don't really, we don't practice Old Testament Christianity. We, we're New Testament Christians. There is a New Testament. There is a new covenant that Jesus Christ and God the Father have covenanted together concerning. And it's this, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's the promise that God the Father and God the Son have struck. And you see, you and I, we, we must look and we must discern, we must decipher uh, the great subtlety that, that these false teachers have. And notice what, what it comes. I mean, they're sneaky, they're slick. They might have their $3,000 tailored suit on. They've got their Rolex watch. And they say, hey, listen, you give $1,000 to me and, and God's going to give $10,000 to you. That's taking place about 10 minutes from here today. You know? It's, it's kooky, it's crazy, but, but why do people buy it? In the book of Hosea, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And God wa- doesn't want you to be unwise. He says, and be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God has a purpose, God has a plan for us. And so oftentimes, because we put our guard down, even Jesus says, not everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's reality. There are false prophets. There are false teachers. The Bible says, look, in verse number two, it says, uh, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought, that bought them. John, 
the disciple whom Jesus loved, the writer of the Gospel according to John, and, and the three short epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which come right after 1st and 2nd Peter, he warns us of that very thing. Look, look what the Bible says this morning. Just turn a couple pages over uh, to 2nd John. In verse number 9, 2 John, verse 9, the Bible says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you that bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is, a part, is partaker of his evil deeds. Christian, God, God warns us concerning heresy, concerning false doctrine. You know, my, my cousin, uh, my oldest cousin, passed away unexpectedly a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, their, her funeral services were held uh, this past weekend, Friday and Saturday. And I was speaking with my father who my mother. They went in the, to, to, the, to the service and, you know, they went to the Catholic Church and they made all these prayers to the Queen of Heaven. That's heresy. There's no Queen of Heaven. You realize that God destroyed Israel for worshiping the Queen of Heaven? Read the book, read, read the Old Testament prophets, the major prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Surunamis. They wept for Tammuz. What is this? Queen of Heaven. It's just this mystery Babylon religion. It's wild. It's crazy. But it's all around us. And Christians, you and I, we need to be discerning. They bring in damnable heresies, denying the, the Lord who bought them. The Bible goes on to say, and bringing themselves swift destruction. The Bible says, and many follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. They, they, they tarnish. They tarnish the name of Jesus Christ. They tarnish the gospel. We have the way of truth. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Turn not from the right hand nor for the left. Christian, you and I, we have the truth. Let us not hold it unrighteousness. The Bible says, and it tells us of, of man's nature in Romans chapter number 1, saying, as Paul says, who turned the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There's distortions. It, it's, it's awful. Hurts the cause of Christ. And the Bible goes on to say in verse number 3, look there, he says, and, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Feigned words, empty words, words, words void of truth. You see, there's, there's a lot going on in, in Christianity today, or what people term Christianity today. It's not Bible Christianity. There, are, there are, are singers, you know, there are churches that, that espouse music written by heretics. Elevation, worship, uh, 
Hillsong, Bethel. A lot of these people. You realize that, was it Bethel Church actually practices paganism? Occultic behavior? It's incredible. And you know, you've got to guard yourself against these things. Because you turn on your radio and it's there. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We must be very, very cautious. We must be very, very careful what we allow in our hearts because there's a battle for you. The Bible says they use these feigned words, empty. They use, they use Christian terminology, but they mean something completely different than the Bible. There's a, there's a movement right now that's really beginning to pick up steam. It's called the New Apostolic Reformation. How many of you have ever heard that? It's a real thing. The New Apostolic Reformation. It should scare you to death. You know what it is? It's white magic. White magic. Look what the Bible says. Look, look what the Word of God says in, in John chapter number 1. In John chapter number 1, I remember as a teenager, and I know back, you know, these are, these are nothing new, but I discovered black light. So I went to the store and I got these black light bulbs. I put them in my room, you know, and it's crazy. How many of you had any black lights when you were a kid? Yeah. Good times, right? You know, there's black light, there's white light. Jesus is the light. He's the true light. Look what the Bible says in, um, in verse number 5 of John chapter 1. It says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Speaking of Jesus. He says, And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He, speaking of John the Baptist, was not the light, uh, but was sent to bear witness of that light, speaking of Jesus, the Bible says that was the true light that, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. There, the movements that are, that are today in most churches, you know, what they're you know what they do to you? They hypnotize you. That's all they're trying to do. You might be, Pastor, you have gone off your rocker. But it's true. They play the same chords. They, they repeat the same words. Why? To hypnotize you. They work you up emotionally and they will get you to do whatever you, they want you to do. It's, it's a scary thing. You know, it's, it's not like black magic witchcraft stuff that you'd see in Africa, but the source is the same. And they repackage it. And they sell it to churches everywhere. That's why your pastor's ornery. And he's stubborn. Oh, my pastor, he's not hip. First off, I would not look good in skinny jeans. <laughs> but we don't want that anyway. Our concern is that we would be more like Christ who is within us. 
than the culture that's around us. Because what the world offers never satisfies. And what they've done is they've packaged this emotional high. And they're leading people astray. People are relying upon an experience that they had rather than the decision that they personally made to repent and receive Christ as their Savior. They're leading people astray. They're sending people to a Christless eternity. Christians, we must be on guard. We must be on guard. They make merchandise of you. You know what? They're just, they're just selling you something they've got. Trading you. Have you ever done this to a child? Say, hey, I'll, I have not, so don't look at me. Hey, I'll give you this quarter, this shiny quarter for that dull piece of paper, right? That's what they do. It's smoke and mirrors. Christians, we must be very careful. So what must our response be? We know they're there. We know it's here. But what ought our response be? Well, I want you to write three simple lessons down this morning as, as we close. Looking back in 2 Peter chapter 2, I want you to write the first lesson down. You and I, we must know the true gospel. You must know the true gospel. Amen. If you, my mother-in-law retired from working at the BB&T Bank, she, sir, she worked as a teller, and you know, she, uh, this is before they gave you those magic markers that you could write on the paper and to determine whether or not it was real or forged, right? Counterfeit. They would, they, they put real banknotes down, real authentic paper money down. And you see, Counterfeit note, they all look different, different from each other. They've got different characteristics, different kind of paper, different kind of ink, all these things. Well, the best way to know the difference between right and wrong is to know right. You see, wrong repackages itself. Wrong uh, re, uh, changes. It, it changes like our culture changes. But the truth is truth. Why? Because it never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, if, you're gonna know, if, if you want to avoid uh, the error of false teacher, you've got to know the real thing. You've got to know the truth. Christian, spend time getting to know the Word of God. You must know the Word of God. Know the truth. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying, uh, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. People are bringing error in. You've got to know the truth. 
My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Notice the second lesson we learn. The second application that we must make in our lives is that we must notice in verse number two, it speaks of, uh, of pernicious ways and uh, the, how the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What you and I need to determine now is that by God's grace, we will be authentically Christian. Be authentically Christian. The word of God is true. You should be true too. In, in Acts, look with me if you would please, back in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter number 12. There was a great movement of God in the early church. Actually, it's Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 describes the, the, the disciples who were in Antioch. And how they lived a certain way. You see, there are those who, who, who take unto themselves the, their pernicious ways, of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. You see, there are people around here that are using you. They're making merchandise of you. Uh, they're stealing from you. They're taking from you. The Bible warns us of that in Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 8. How the Word of God says, uh, Let no man spoil you through philosophy, and through vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You see, the world wants to make you more like it. But Christ wants to make you more like Him. Be not conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you want to know whether it's of God, what's it producing? Is it producing worldliness? Or is it producing Christ-likeness? I want to be like Christ. I am not perfect. Let me just preface that. I am not a perfect man. I know many of you are disappointed by hearing that just now. But I'm not a perfect man. I'm just like you are. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. But what needs to happen is that we pursue a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. That I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Christian, we look back in Acts chapter 11 and we see that the church at Antioch was doing just this. And, and the world, the culture that was around them, let me tell you that the culture of years of gone by is no different than the culture that is represented today. There's nothing new under the sun. Man is just as sinful today as he's ever been. We may have more tools to help us sin, but we're just as sinful. Uh, our, our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we, we understand here, however, that, that it is possible to live for God. How, do I, how can I live for God? I live for God by knowing His Word and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God in my life. It's very simple. Well, it sounds simple. But it takes a concentrated effort. Look how the Bible describes the disciples who lived in Antioch. Let's begin in verse number, let's just begin in verse number 22. It says, Then tidings of these things came uh, unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, uh, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with a purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Who are you cleaving unto? 
You've got to cleave unto the Lord. Hold fast the form of sound words. Hold on to the Lord. Seek God. Trust the Word. The Bible goes on to say, and in verse number 24, it says, and he was a, uh, For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas uh, to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when they had found him, uh, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And notice what happened. It says, And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Why are they called Christians? Because they were authentically Christian. Uh, they, uh, they lived like Christ. And the opponents of the cross, the opponents of Christ, gave them this name, kind of a snarky nickname. They meant it to be a dig or, or a jab. But what a great compliment it is. What a great call it is. To live like Christ. Are you authentically Christian? Seek God's help to live like Christ. Notice lastly, as we look back in 2 Peter chapter number 2. The Bible speaks of covetousness in verse 3. Speaks of being made merchandise in verse number 3. The Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. You realize that, that each of us in this room today possess within our sinfulness, uh, the sinfulness of our flesh, the ability to be a heretic. The Bible warns in 2 Timothy against the love of money, against covetousness, against trying to to gain all kinds of, of worldly things. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So what needs to happen is we must consider our motives. Consider your motives. What are you, why are you in it? What are you in it for? Why are you serving Jesus? Why are you living for Christ? I'm living for the Lord so I can have a five-bedroom house on 500 acres of land, so I can drive a Ford F-150 Raptor, why are you in it? Are you in it to gain things of this world? Or riches in heaven. You see, the emphasis of the heretic, of the false pre, of the false prophet and the false teacher, is on this life. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. We're to be rich toward God, the Bible says not rich in this life. We don't serve the Lord to get from others. We serve the Lord to give others the gospel. Sacred motives. Your motives are revealing. 
I don't know your motives. Nor do you know mine. Our motives can be discerned by how we live. Our motives can be seen by what we give our time and attention to. To where we place the emphasis of our lives. But Christian, make no mistake. Every work will be tried. As we stand before the Lord, we're going to give an account. It's going to be tried by fire. It's going to reveal what sort it is. You know, one of the great lures of today amongst Christianity in general is the size of a church. Everybody wants a megachurch. Everybody, because they think that's the status symbol. But won't you write this down? The Bible says, despise not the day of small things. It's not about the size. It's about the sort. It's not about the size. It's about the sort. What sort of church is this? What sort of Christian am I? Christian, know the truth. Know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Be authentically Christian. And guard your motives. Whether therefore you eat, or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God.